0: The psalmist says, he who ponders the law of the Lord day and night will yield his fruit in due season. So again, if you want to bear fruit in ministry, you need to ponder the law of the Lord day and night, and then you will yield his fruit in due season.
1: If you work for the Catholic Church and want to avoid burnout, overcome team dysfunctions, and put more souls in the pews, we're here to help. I'm Ty Hua, here with my co-host, John Cons, and we're providing leadership development for Catholic ministry professionals. Every week, you can expect practical advice to help you move Jesus' mission forward in your parish. Today, we're diving into a five-part series on reasons why change isn't happening in your parish. John?
0: Ty. It's good to be back in the saddle. How art thee? Uh, th- thy me is good. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's been busy. It's been a busy few weeks. You know, we we had some, uh, well, for the listeners, our dear listeners, my my family, we, we had water in our basement, which was awful. Just a terrible thing to find right before you're about to go to bed. Uh, but we handled it. It turns out all they have to do is... Put in a trench, literally around the entire perimeter of our basement, and that—that's all they got to do to fix it.
1: So, oh, that's it. (laughs)
0: Um, So, yeah, life's been busy, but it—but it's good. Our kids are healthy. Um, You know what? I just got to see you off the air just the other night. So, I don't know. Life's good, man. Yeah, life's great. You know the
1: the addition of a son, a a little helpless baby, just magnifies how awesome God is for him to give me (laughs) the ability to take care of a young baby like that. Um, you know, it's, I I kid, I I love kids. I I love, I have the ability to, um, but just seeing babies and, you know, watching your kids grow up and yeah, it's just, it's so awesome. You know, life is great.
0: Yeah. And it just transforms so much of your perspective of the day to day
1: to have that. 100 percent you know 100 percent
0: good day, bad day whatever it is at the end of the day you're holding that that child and you're just like it realigns all of the priorities and the the main and important things that happen during that day it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Segway um <laughs> speaking oh here here we go speaking of babies babies are constantly needing their diapers changed Speaking of change, should we talk about today's topic?
1: Should we dive into it? Oh, I see what you did there.
0: (laughs) Yes, so we are kicking off a five-part series on why change isn't happening in your parish. Another way I kind of think about it in my brain is a lot of these are, are myths that we believe about why change won't happen in our parish. And so we're we're going to deal with these five reasons, these, these five parts over the next five episodes, and, and really look at how we as Catholic ministry professionals can transform our parishes through our work. And yes, that does mean change, and you can be a big part of that. And so we're kicking it off this week with the most important one, and it's not going to be any surprise to any of you that the number one reason or the one most important thing that could be the reason for the lack of change, the lack of forward momentum and the mission of Jesus in your parish might simply be because you're not doing God's will. Ouch. And that, <laughs> that might hit a little hard, but, but just bear with me for a little bit. Uh, the root cause of this, and in my experience and with people that I've talked to, um, parishes that I've been a part of, is we're, we're not doing God's will because there is a lack of prayer. There is a lack of discernment in prayer. And and so I, I just, you know, a little story from my life to kind of get us into this topic is really um, my first experience of ministry. And, and when I first stepped into ministry, I would not say I was a deeply converted man. I liked theology. I liked Jesus. I, I liked the Bible stories. I was really interested in ministry, but I hadn't had like a profound experience of Jesus and the reality of him in my life. So as I entered into ministry and began that work, I ended up in charge of a a group of young men, this guy's group, and they met every morning. There was a really holy man who was there before me. He went on to become a priest here in the the Sioux City Diocese, Father Brian Feller. Uh, He used to be the campus minister, and he lit these guys on fire for Jesus. Enter me. <laughs> and It takes me like no time at all to whittle down this group of guys that, that were on fire for Jesus to realize like I was completely full of it, that, that I, wasn't, I wasn't in it for the right things or that I wasn't converted. And I had very little in my mind or at least in what seemed to be to offer them because they all stopped coming. <laughs> and so, except for these two guys, these two guys that maybe the donuts were just that good, or they were just too stubborn to leave, or they were just that excited to get out of the house that day. These two guys that hung around, but the whole experience made me realize that, like, Lord, I have no idea what I'm doing. None. I have no idea. And so I I kind of stopped trying in a sense. But instead, at the same time, what happened, I went to a confession and I was given a week-long penance where I had to Sit with Psalm fifty one for fifteen minutes before the blessed sacrament for a week. That it was a week long penance, and that experience of sitting with Scripture, sitting in the presence of Jesus for the first time, I had this really profound um, kind of breakthrough moment where I go, "Oh, Jesus is real," and I have no idea what I'm doing. And it was at that moment that I really started to pray because I I, I didn't want to mess up the job. I didn't want to fail. I wanted to do it well, and I had no idea what else to do, and all I knew I could do was I had to lean into Jesus. All I knew was this this newfound prayer, this way of praying with scripture, of being with Jesus, that was deeply affecting me. And when I shared that, it seemed like that had an impact in my ministry. And so after kind of transitioning and learning to pray, experimenting with prayer, not even really knowing how to "Quote unquote," pray, um, but really just knowing that I was experiencing Jesus and trying to share that with them in the context of that group. Then that that group that was a robust group that I managed to whittle down to two guys in a matter of of months grew back to you know twenty to twenty four guys showing up every uh, once a week to just pray and to just share their faith and to eat donuts, obviously. But this reality that when my ministry wasn't founded on prayer on discernment on Jesus it started to fizzle and it fizzled quickly right so many of the experiences the frustrations that we experience in ministry they happen because we have lost sight of the goal towards which we're working or we we never really knew what that goal was that goal the goal of your ministry is Jesus your relationship with him and then and then your efforts to bring others into relationship with him because relationship with him, communion with Jesus, is the kingdom of heaven. And if you're not in the kingdom, you're in hell. And that is what it feels like. So uh, we, we see this in ministry. You, you have seen this, whether it's in your ministry or in other ministries in your parish, you've seen this. Ministries that were really, they, maybe they were once really strong, really robust. They've kind of lost their way, and maybe now they're just, they're just clinging to a fundraiser. Right, they're just doing everything they can to push this fundraiser down people's throats. We we actually have one going on right now in our parish. It used to be some kind of like big dinner, now it's just a drive-through dinner. Like, hey, give us your twenty bucks. Here's your food in a styrofoam container, and and moving on. I think it's like a pork chop dinner or something like that. Yeah,
1: the fall fall dinner.
0: Um, I I don't think this this one's not technically the fall dinner, but it 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 was a big dinner, and yeah. now it's I think probably partially because of COVID. And then they realize, well, we can still make money and just hand the food out the window, you know, but it, it, to me, it's like, what kind of energy is being put into this and the evangelical impact of it in our parish is probably really little. So, you know, we, we see this kind of stuff happen. You also see this in social justice initiatives where you just have that abortion activist that again, we should fight against abortion, but they just want to punch people in the faith in the face with the moral teachings of the church. Instead of transforming hearts, instead of the love and mercy and bringing that to people, they're just trying to slap people with truth. you and know, shame and them. Yeah, shame them. And shame them, you know, and, and that's what happens, again, when we lose sight of Jesus in the context of our ministry, when we're not tapped into that source, right? And that's, this is also how churches get stuck in maintenance mode, right? Just that dry perpetuation of the bare minimum. Just get through the weekend. Just get through Lent, you know. And, but at its worst, when there's no prayer— Right When you are not doing the will of God, when you are not tapping into his will through prayer, at its worst, this is when the church has experienced these really awful, awful abuses that we're we're allowed to perpetuate. So, what do we do
1: about it? It goes right back to what what you're saying um, with prayer. And it's funny that you say that that moment of confession, that week-long penance. Uh, I had a similar deal where the the priest asked me, he's like, what do you... What do you, what's your prayer life like? Well, I, I pray the rosary and, you know, I, I pray all these other Catholic prayers and he goes, no, no, no. What does your prayer life look like? How often do you spend time with Jesus? What is, what is your conversation sound like? And I'm just like, I gotta be honest with you. I don't talk to Jesus like that. I talk through Mary, his mother in the Hail Marys, the Our Fathers. He goes, okay, well, I'm going to give you penance. Uh. For the next five days, you got to talk to Jesus for 15 minutes a day. And it's amazing how that transforms your entire faith. Now, you had a little Freudian slip there because you said with the social justice initiatives of punching people in the faith. um, That's a good one. That's a good line. Like, Mm. we should be punching people in the faith because that's all they're doing is praying the rosary, which is good. It's holy. It's holy. It's a sacramental, but you could also lose sight of your relationship with Jesus if that's all you're doing. Like I did. I'm not without fault. Um, The devil wants to kind of blur your vision there. Take your eye off the prize. You know, here's a quote from St. Anthony of the Desert. The devil is afraid of us when we pray and make sacrifices. He is also afraid when we are humble and good. He is especially afraid when we love Jesus very much. He runs away when we make the sign of the cross. Now, what I want the listeners to understand is, quit going through the motions. Like, my apologetical side just cringes when I'm watching people sit down for Mass and they're genuflecting with the wrong knee. When they're nonchalantly genuflecting not even to the tabernacle like that just frustrates me like if you understood what you were actually doing right if jesus was right in front of you right by that tabernacle if you saw him i guarantee you well maybe maybe some people would still do that but the vast majority of the catholic church would do it very very intently Yes,
0: that, that intention behind it. And I, I think that also, even if you're doing all the devotions, you know, kind of your point, you can be doing all the devotions. You can be doing the Holy Trinity of prayers, right? The Our Father, the Hail Mary, the Glory Be. You can be doing all of those. But that's that's different from having a, a living, breathing relationship with Jesus, something where you really are sharing your whole soul with him, not just checking things off a list, Now, like, well, I gotta do my rosary, I gotta do my chaplet, I gotta, you know, whatever it might be, I gotta cross these things off the list so I'm a quote-unquote good Catholic. No, it, it's really about having this this dynamic habit of prayer that that puts you in touch with God, you know, this this habit of prayer that motivates you to action in the day-to-day, right? This, and really, as we're gonna, what we're gonna transition into talking about is an actionable discernment. And the reason that this is so important in ministry is because uh, you see it again and again from the saints, but there's um, a book, The Soul of the Apostolate, we've talked about it before, Jean-Baptiste Chautard, uh, where he speaks about how the bedrock of fruitful ministry is the interior life. So when we talk about why aren't things changing at your parish, why isn't there fruit, why aren't things, Why aren't people being lit on fire, well, it's probably because the people in charge of the ministry don't have a deep interior life of prayer. And that means something very different from just saying the prayers. It really means doing something differently, very intentionally, exactly what you're saying, type Being very intentional, mind, body, soul, action oriented towards the will of God. Matthew 6, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be yours as well. So just again, this this refrain that we keep coming back to that is so important to being a Catholic ministry professional is that you need to seek God first. And if you want to bear fruit, it will only be because you have first put yourself in contact with and develop that interior life of prayer with the Lord so that he can fill you up so that you can be poured out. This is really about putting God in his rightful place. And, and and, And it's a great protection. I mean, it's really important on numerous levels, but think about the protection it gives you and your ministry in several ways, right? St. Paul says to Timothy, right? I know in whom I have believed. I know Jesus. I know God. I know him in whom I have believed. Can you think of a more powerful way to spread the word of God, to implement change, to challenge parishioners to step out of their comfort zone than to say, I know Jesus. I have spoken with him. This is what he is calling us to do. Right. It, it it is that reason, right? First Peter, always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope. Right? Again, this is a great protection for you. It also protects you from making yourself the God of your ministry. Cause I, I've seen so many Catholic ministry professionals fall in love with the sound of their own voice, said Ooh. the guy who started a podcast. <laughs> but but the point is still there that God has to be the God of your ministry. So let's let's look a little bit at how um, how we're going to develop this this life of prayer, this habit of prayer that that can transform us, that can transform our ministries, that can feed our ministries. How's that sound?
1: Sounds great. Let's do it.
0: Awesome. So the first one we, we've talked about it a little bit is the first thing that you want to do is start praying with scripture. Right. You might you might have all kinds of devotionals you like. Um, you might pick up the latest thing from Ascension Press and do the, the next, you know, whatever Advent reflection they're going to do or Lent reflection they're going to do. Those are all good things. Uh, but what you really need to be doing is praying with Scripture. And you can do this a hundred different ways, right? But the important thing is to start. And if you're, if you're not sure where to start, I recommend starting with the Gospels. And then once you just read one chapter a day. This is how I I started praying with Scripture, honestly, was I didn't know how to do it, but I knew I wanted it. After I spent that week praying with Psalm 51, I was like, I need more of this in my life. And I just started, I I think I started with Luke chapter 1, because I like the Gospel of Luke. And I just read all the way through. And, you know, then I started in on Mark, and then I went to Matthew, and then I went to John. It took me 90 days to read through all of them, because there's only about 90 chapters in all four Gospels. So every 90 days, you can read all of the Gospels over and over and over again. And the thing about Scripture is that it just is transformative. So even if you don't know fully what you're doing, it will begin to work in your heart. It will change you Um, to the point where I I started to have people ask me what was different about my life. Like, John, you're different. A year later, John, you're different. Something's weird. Like, what's going on here? Jesus changed me because I was encountering him in the Scriptures. And then shortly after that, I picked up... um, meditation and contemplation by Father Uh Timothy Gallagher, where he really, he really, it's a very simple, really practical way to pray with scripture. He kind of really unpacks it and shows how you can do it a a hundred different ways. But I was reading that book and I said, oh, this is what I've been doing. I just had no idea. But the reason this is so important is because as God says again and again, fruit is tied to him. In Psalm one, verses two through three, the psalmist says, he who ponders the law of the Lord day and night Will yield his fruit in due season. So, again, if you want to bear fruit in ministry, you need to ponder the law of the Lord day and night, and then you will yield his fruit in due season. Fruit is tied to the law of the Lord. This law is scripture. So, again, dive into scripture. Really, really, really dive into it. Okay, so that's step one. The next thing you're going to need to do, or any thoughts on that, Ty? Anything? Well,
1: I just think scripture is so foreign to prayer for a Catholic. Mm-hmm. Right? It's it's almost like we compartmentalize, okay, I'm I'm going to read scripture or I'm going to go pray. But the church has an awesome awesome tool, we you've talked about it before, you know, lectio divina, like pray with scripture. Literally pray with scripture, even if it's randomly, hey, I'm going to I'm going to let the Holy Spirit pick the page. I love doing that, so you know the Gospels are are good, but I mean d- don't let it intimidate you. I know it's heavy, right? I know we have more books than than the Protestant Bible, so it's heavier, but do not let it intimidate you. Just pick it up, and if you can't do it for fifteen minutes, like our penance was, start with five. Mm-hmm. Literally, it, it set a timer on your phone. Five minutes. It,
0: it doesn't take long to read a story of you know if you go to the Gospels, most of the chapters are like two or three or four short stories. Mm-hmm. So you can just read one of those stories, and just let that let that simmer, you know. Yep. Think on it. Re- re- kind of come back to it throughout the day and be like, oh yeah, this you know parable of the mustard or seed or whatever, you know. You you can just ruminate on it. It becomes kind of a refrain in your brain that you can turn back to, and the more you experience God's voice in Scripture the easier it becomes then to recognize his voice in and around you. And especially as you're trying to discern the direction of ministry, the more you can recognize his voice, the more clearly you can point that out to others and lead them to him. Amen? Amen. So the next thing then, you've established a habit of praying with scripture. And as you do that, like I said, you're going to recognize God's voice. You're going to start having this experience of feeling called. The next thing that you want to do Is really to test those ideas, those, those impulses, those the things you're perceiving in prayer. You want to test those by running them past a spiritual director. And honestly, I would say your really trusted friends in ministry. Right? If you know people who are really devout, they're they're not just doing the job, but they're devout. You know, if they got a habit of prayer, a life of prayer, talk to your trusted friends in ministry. Maybe find a spiritual director. And again, your your pastor can probably connect you with a spiritual director. Um there is a a organization out there schooloffaith.com one of my new favorite podcasts they they do the daily rosary and they just pull out these really awesome reflections the guy does a great job but they actually have um spiritual directors through their program that they can put you in touch with they can also train you up to be a spiritual director if that's a direction you feel called to but the beauty of that is there's so many times where like I, I think about my wife. I might have an idea, honestly, ideas with the podcast, and she can hear those. And because she knows me and she's outside of the situation, she can really easily help me get to the, the source of what it is that I'm thinking. And and when she walks me to that point, it becomes a lot clearer. And, and often it's really simple to be like, oh, that's not a good direction to go. Or, yeah, this is a really great idea. Let's follow up on it. Let's move that direction. So having somebody outside of your brain where you've got all these ideas bouncing around, it that can really help. Also having your your trusted uh, friends in ministry weigh in is is super helpful too because, again, they have probably a little bit of spiritual sensitivity. They can tell if you're just trying to do something out of spite or out of pride, and they can help to point that out to you and, and help you to understand, well, is this maybe what God is calling me to do or not?
1: Yeah, those spiritual... Um... Friends are awesome. Those friends that you should be sending this podcast to.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And send them to CatholicMinistryProfessionals.com as well. Hey. <laughs> All right. The, the third thing we really want to do is um, make a resolution biased towards action. And um, St. Francis de Sales actually says that making a resolution in your prayer is one of the most important steps in the spiritual life. Because... Especially he's talking about temptation or building virtue, I guess is how I would say it. He's really speaking about building virtue. But if you pray, but then you never grow, if you pray, but you never convert, if you spend time in prayer, but you never seek to root out sin in your life, you're going to stay the same, right? This is why Jesus says, you're healed, now go sin no more. Stop sinning, right? The but this the same thing in our spiritual life, if you're if you're praying and you're you're energizing your ministry and you're really trying to bear fruit, you gotta make a resolution. And and this is echoed by the saints as well, right? You've gotta make a resolution, you gotta make a decision to move forward, and it should be biased towards some kind of action that is gonna implement the mission. Um, Saint Augustine, Saint Augustine? Augustine, Augustine or Saint Augustine. Get it <laughs> Thank right. You. St. <laughs> Augustine said, love God and then do what you please. That little caveat, don't do whatever you want, but if you love God and you desire what God desires, you can kind of do what you want because your will is in line with God's, right? Again, Padre Pio, St. Padre Pio says, pray, decide, and then don't worry, right? Because you need to move forward. And, and so often we over-spiritualize things. We say, I won't, I won't move. I won't do anything until a voice from heaven comes and tells me where to go, but it it just doesn't seem to work like that. And the saints would say that's not the normative way. The normative way is to respond to the duties of your daily life, to to do your work excellently, and to continue to move forward. And in order to do that, you're gonna have to make some decisions. You're gonna have to lead. So pray, decide, and don't worry. You know, and 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 we can see this in Ignatian discernment as well. Um, Ignatian discernment really talks about these kind of three different steps in the process. The first is the awareness, right? You have to be aware that you're, you're feeling something, something's prompt, prompted within you, you know, this desire to do this thing, right? Maybe God is calling you to do a new thing You you experience this desire. So that's the awareness. Well, you also have to have this understanding of who God is and who the devil is and that they're both trying to speak to you. And so once you understand that, and you can understand which voice is speaking to you in that moment, prompting that desire, trying to, you know, kind of starting that itch, then it's really easy to take action based on that understanding. So you make you take action to either accept the thing that God asks you to do, or to reject the thing that Satan asks you to do. Again, it's this bias towards action, because God God wants us to make decisions. He needs us to make decisions. Because he has called us into leadership, and we can't lead if we're not doing that. And we see that reflected in like the parable of the talents and so many stories from Scripture where it is clear that God wants us to do something with the things we've been given, to do something in the life we've been given, to do something in the work we've been given. He's not asking you to sit and do nothing.
1: Yeah, God hates a coward.
0: God hates a coward. <laughs> An indecisive coward. Yeah, well, and that's, you know, even the, the statement on the lukewarm, right? Either you were, I wish you were either hot or you were cold, but I'll spit out the lukewarm. Because if you're just lukewarm, if you're not doing anything, you're not making choices, you're not moving forward, you're not trying to do this work that he's given you, he's going to spit you out. And this is the same thing that, Saint Jean, or that Jean-Baptiste Chautard says in the, um, this is the exact same thing that he says in The Soul of the Apostolate. It's this, this idea that if you're not praying and if you're not moving, like God owes it, the Father owes it to his Son to end your ministry, right? So you need to be praying. You need to be connected to the life of God so that he can bring that, that life into your ministry. So, again, those three things, you really want to build a habit of prayer and, and focus on Scripture. You need to focus on Scripture. You need that in your life. I need that in my life. Ty needs it in his life too, Yep. right? Yes. And then you want to test every single spirit, every single thing with good spiritual direction, good, solid, holy friends in ministry, and and a good understanding of how spiritual discernment works in the Catholic life. The last thing is really to make a resolution based on your discernment, to bias yourself towards action, to continue moving forward. And I promise you, if you do these three things, I promise that you will begin to experience more fruit in your ministry there will become there will be forward momentum in the mission that god has given you and with that i think we can probably move on to the devil's advocate
1: (laughs) john i have so many things that i have to do i don't have enough help i just don't have time to pray what say you you're wrong.
0: <laughs> you Ooh. are wrong. You got to understand this is non-negotiable. Like this is one of the basic elements of the Christian life, of the Catholic life. It's a necessary component of Catholic ministry. If you are not praying, you should not be in ministry. Please reconsider this chosen line of work. It is essential. It is non-negotiable and your ministry will will die without it. And at the worst, at the worst level, you will end up leading people away from God because Mm -hmm. of it. You need to pray. You need to make sure that God is the God of your ministry and that you have a really solid foundation of prayer, of help and discernment, and of action towards the Lord's will for your parish.
1: I have two things to say. Yes. First one is we mentioned the saint earlier in the podcast, but St. Francis de Sales once said, Every one of us needs half an hour of prayer a day, except for when we're busy. Then we need an hour. <laughs> right, so that's number one. St. Francis de Sales just dropping nuggets there. The second one is we got to model our ministry to what Jesus did. And what did Jesus do? He made time to pray. He went to his lonely places. Yeah, so there, there really is no excuse not to pray, right? We all are busy. We get that. But we all can find 15, 20, even 30 minutes to an hour, like St. Francis de Sales says, when we absolutely need it. We can find it if we're actually intentionally looking for that time. Just like the the hacks that we talk about, you know, time blocking or scheduling it into your your calendar. Like, hey, here's the time that I pray. Now, I recommend doing it early when nobody can bug you, um, whether that's ministry people or family. So if you've got young kids that are, you know, going to be waking up at six o'clock in the morning, maybe you wake up at five thirty to pray.
0: Yeah. And simple hack for that, get the coffee ready before you go to bed. So all you have to do is press start.
1: <laughs> or if you have a timer on it. Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You and know it, what?
0: I will say though, my coffee pot, when it's done, it beeps loudly five times, Oh. which yeah. doesn't make any sense to me. I need to write a letter to the, the maker because that's ridiculous and I can't turn it off. So it wakes my kids up.
1: Yeah, that's unfortunate. That's too yeah. fancy. Mine just beeps once and it's done. But what's awesome is, you know, the old Folgers commercials, like you just the smell of the coffee wakes you up. That's mm. awesome. <laughs> I had a friend that kept his coffee pot next to his bed. <laughs> So he could he could wake up to
0: like in his bachelor days. I'm sure his wife doesn't let him do it, but he kept it next to his bed so he could have not just the smell, but also the sound of it brewing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's that's glorious. It
1: It is right and just.
0: (laughs) All right. right, So let's let's move on to some actionable steps. You know, of, of course, we always want you to have something that you can take with you today to uh, implement the things that we're talking about, especially as we get into and we get further into this series on implementing change, this series on why change isn't happening. So if you are in this boat where you haven't had a life, like a real interior intentional life of prayer, like let, let this be your calling card. Like it's time to start that. And the, the first thing then you need to do, first actionable step, go to confession. If, if you've been working in ministry for a while, and you haven't been praying, bring that to confession. Like, don't let the devil play with it. Just just get it, get that off of your, get it out off your shoulders. And then we'll move, and let's move forward. You know, um, after that, I, I really want you to, to make a list of things that you need to intercede for. So you can be very intentional, again, about approaching the Lord with the things that you need. That your parish and the people you serve, the things they need, be that intercessor for them, and then really get a bulletproof habit of prayer, just founded on Scripture. Get that started, and and it can be really simple. and And we've talked about a number of ways to do that, but but start, just start, and then uh, you want to really after you've started that, then you'll get into where you need to test those promptings by the, of the Spirit, by a spiritual director or friends in ministry, and you know start making decisions and and try to write down those one to two sentence resolutions that we talk about. And we'll get into that here just down the line in the next couple of weeks. But really, get to confession and start praying for your parish and start praying with Scripture.
1: Amen, amen, I say to you.
0: All right, guys. Thank you for listening to the Catholic Ministry Professionals podcast. If you found today's show helpful, please just immediately text it to your pastor and a friend in Catholic ministry so that others can find out about the show and begin transforming their parish through their work. And we'd love your feedback. You can either submit an honest review on your favorite podcast app or email us at catholicminpros at gmail.com. And as always, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or at
1: catholicministryprofessionals.com. And with that, we'll see you in the Vineyard.